Welcome to the Grace Vineyard Podcast, where we are building growing communities of worshipers who are becoming like Christ, empowered to do His work. We hope you enjoy this message. Okay, you guys want to hear a funny story about the 49er thing? I have a brand new George Kittle black jersey that I had ready to bring in today, and God told me no. Well, here's the reason. It's because everybody knows that I love the 49ers. It's part of who I am, right? When you meet me, I mean, hi, my name's Christian. I'm a 49er fan. I mean, it's on my hat. I have a tattoo. But, but God was telling me, you know what? Everybody knows that. And you're, yeah, you love that team, but that team's a football team. It doesn't mean anything. Your team is Team Grace. So I'm here representing you guys, right? Okay, so uh, you guys ready? Let's get started. I got like two and a half hours of material to go over today. I'm filling in for Ron. He fits two and a half hours of material into one hour. I can't do that. So you guys, I hope you brought lunch, okay? Uh, I just kind of wanted to explain real quick what know your part means, okay? My good buddy, Captain America, asked me for a title for what I was going to say today. And right off the bat, I'm like, know your role. Now, that's it. That's going to be know your role. And I got kind of excited by that title because, oh, yeah, I'm a man. Know your role. WWE, you know, ah, 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 build stuff, right? And I thought about it for a little while. I'd say all of two minutes, and I realized that's not the title. That's not what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be know your part. And I'll explain that. I'll explain why it's called know your part today, Okay. Some people might look at that and go, oh, Christian's going to tell us what God wants us to do in our lives. I remember when I first became a Christian, I didn't know what I was supposed to do, what God created me to be, what he wanted me to do. But I knew from the second I said yes that God had a role for me. God had something that he wanted me to do. So that was my biggest question. Today is not that lesson, okay? That's kind of between you and God. Christian don't know, okay? I don't know what's in your heart. I don't know what you and God talk about. But if you share it with me and we talk about it, we can pray about it. And maybe I can be a part of that and help you. But, but, that's, what not, but that's not what Know Your Part is. Um, uh, how many of you guys have seen Seinfeld? Okay, Seinfeld. Not a huge fan. You know, I mean, everybody, everybody is comedic relief in that show except for the comedian. He's the only straight guy. So sometimes I, I don't like it. But... But there was one episode, and I do watch it every once in a while, there was one episode where Kramer, who happens to be my favorite character on the show, because he's so, he's so goofy, and he was in a movie with Weird Al Yankovic that I love called, called UHF, so I'm kind of a Kramer fan. But he comes in, and he's all excited because he's got this great idea that he wants to see how far he can drive his car before it runs out of gas. Okay? For some of you guys that have seen that episode, he would bust into the apartment and he would talk about where he drove his car that day and he still got like a quarter of a tank. And then he'd come back in, I drove this far and I, I still got a little bit. And then he got super excited because he's on, he's on E. He knows he's towards the end of his journey, but he's running on fumes. Well, you guys, that's where I was. I was running on fumes. I've been gone from, from Grace for about four years, okay? I, uh... My family and I got moved to Hawaii to go work, which was absolutely horrible. Total torture being in Hawaii for a year. It was just, I, I know, feel bad for me. The sun, the beaches, and 
It was during COVID, so there was no tourists, okay? It was absolutely horrible, okay? But when we moved back, we couldn't afford a house in Oceanside. Just couldn't do it. I mean, you guys, you guys that live here know it's expensive to live in Oceanside, and we couldn't do it, so we ended up being in Menifee. So I've always been like, grow where you're planted, you know? So I couldn't find Grace Vineyard in Menifee. I couldn't do it. It's here, right? It's, it's here. So I was, I was running on fumes. You know, I knew that I needed something. So I'm going to go back to Grace. I've been, I've been with Grace since before, well, I would say, 90, 90, roughly 98, you know. But my testimony has been built with Grace. Formerly known as Grace Chapel, now it's Grace Vineyard. But the heart of Grace has never changed. It has absolutely never changed, okay? You look around at the people here, and the people are different. We don't have all the same people here, but we have the same heart. We love each other. We care for each other. We're always there for each other. You can look around at the people of grace and ask any one of us to pray for you, and yes, yes, we will. That's who we are, and that's exactly what I needed. So the first day I decided I'm going to go back to grace, Brian Slife was walking out the building. Now, me and Brian are like this. We're tight. In fact, he's, he's like my brother. He really is. So to see him right away was like, all right, it's a sign. So I come in the door, and Marty Soto was there. You guys know Marty? Okay, show of hands, how many of you have ever been hugged by Marty? Dude, she gave me the biggest hug I think I've ever had in my life, and instantly, you know how I said I was running on fumes? Instantly I was filled. I mean, that quick. If any of you guys are into race cars, you know they have what these things called dump cans, okay? Now, if you've ever had to fill your, your car with a regular can, it takes forever, right? But a dump can, poof, done, right? That's how I felt. And, and so, so in that, I was like, I was beating myself up. I really was. I was like, oh my gosh, why did I wait? Why did I struggle? Why did I go through what I went through? Why did I put myself through what I, what I, what I was doing and, or not doing when it was here the whole time? And I knew it. I knew it was here. So, you know, I've been, I've been coming back to Grace for a couple weeks, and God gave me a word, okay? And I instantly knew what the word meant. So I thought it was for me, you know? I thought that God gave me a word. And the word was pretty simple. It said, sometimes we cast ourselves as a villain in our own movies or soap operas. Now, now God didn't actually say movies or soap operas. He said telenovelas, okay? Uh, God is bilingual, trilingual, quadrilingual, whatever, but he said telenovelas. For some of you guys that don't know what it is, I said movies or soap operas, so I kind of messed up God's word already. But, but the thing is, is he, said, he said to me, he said to me that sometimes we cast ourselves as the villains in our own movies or soap opera, when in reality, we are stars in the greatest love story ever written. This is what my word was. This is what God told me, and I was like, Okay, God's telling me that, hey, don't beat yourself up. You did what you needed to do, so you're back where you need to be. Right? So, so yeah, good word. God gave me a word for me. I love it. It's fantastic. Usually he gives me pictures, and then it takes me a week to figure out what that picture means. And then by the time I figure out what that picture means, the moment's passed. But he gave me that word. So, so then when, Aunt, when Ron asked me to, to speak on this Sunday like a little bit over a week ago, I was like, well, what am I going to speak about? And instantly God said 
Sometimes we cast ourselves as the villains in our own movies or soap operas, when in reality we are stars in the greatest love story ever written. I was like, okay, God, all right, what do you got in this? And, and through that, I was thinking, you know, he, he's mentioning movies, you know, kind of, kind of movies. I know he said telenovelas, but, but he's talking about movies. And if any of you know me, I love movies. I'm a huge Star Wars fan, Lord of the Rings fan, DC, Marvel. I love movies. As a matter of fact, I even like teenage situational movies, okay? You know the ones that high schoolers watch? I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, I watch those, okay? Uh, my favorite one that my family loves to hassle me about is Lemonade Mouth. Yes, I'm a huge Lemonade Mouth fan. For, these, for those of you that don't know what that is, it's on Disney. It's about this band that gets together, and they overcome all these struggles, and they win this contest, and oh, it's the greatest, okay? I love the soundtrack. There's a lot of content in it. But I love movies. I love movies. However, I do have a favorite kind of movie, okay? If I invest two, two and a half hours, sometimes three hours of my life watching a movie, I want to know what happens to all the characters at the end. You guys know what I'm talking about? It might look a little like this. Right? Mark Newell continued to take selfies and post them on social media. Right? The next one, with his biggest fan. Okay? So, so I love those movies that, that don't leave you hanging. You're like, oh, man, I love that, I love that uh, character in the movie, Mark. I wonder what happened with him. Oh, they let you know at the end with a little blurb, right? So I love those movies. And when we think about where, where we're at, is we are part of the greatest love story ever written. We have the perfect, okay, I'll say that again, the perfect, oh, I'm dropping my reading glasses, the perfect script, perfect. It has a beginning, it has a middle, and it has an end. I mean, and it's not just a little blur because like I showed that picture of Mark up there with the, with the selfies that he posts on, uh, on Facebook or Instagram or anything like that, we don't know what else he does, right? That's all they give us is a little glimpse into, into what he does. And by the way, if you guys don't follow uh, Mark on Facebook or Instagram, you've got to do it. You'll see what I'm talking about right there, okay? Every single one of his posts, whenever I see something posted by Mark, I look for that picture right there. You know, it makes me happy. It makes me happy to see Mark with that big old grin on his face. But, but the thing is, is we have the perfect script. We have the perfect director. We have, look around you. Look at your supporting cast. You can't get any better than what we have, right? We have a supporting cast that's fantastic. Me, personally, I have my own built-in comic relief, my kids, you know? So, so here we are. We're in this movie. And why did, I say, why did I say know your part and not your role? A role is something you play. A part is something you are, right? You're a part of a team. You're a part of this. You're a part of this, right? It's not a role that you play. I don't want you guys thinking that you're supposed to go out after today and act like you're Christians. I want you to be Christians, right? That's what we want. You guys should be praying for me daily that Christian becomes, well, is a Christian when he leaves his place, right? I got to be a baby Christian twice. I like to brag about that. But, uh, but anyways, Sometimes we cast ourselves as the villains, okay? I don't know about you guys, but I constantly do this, and I forget. 
Because I, I, I know what's in my heart. You know how I said I don't know what your part is because I don't know what's in your heart. I don't know the conversations you have with God. Well, God knows what's in your heart, and God knows you, but we seem, we seem to forget that. And we cast ourselves in that villain role because we know that we can do so much more. We can be so much better, right? So instantly, we take on that villain role. We take on the role that we're never meant to have. Yes, we make bad choices. Yes, we do bad things. But you're not a villain. You were never intended to be a villain. We need to get over that. If you feel like you're a villain, you need to reach out because you're not. You're not a villain. As a matter of fact, in the Bible, it says in Psalms, yes, I do read Psalms now. For those of you that have known me for a long time, I used to think Psalms was a girl's book, so I don't read that. I'm a real man, okay? Don't laugh at me. Ha, 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 ha. I do read Psalms. Psalms is actually beautiful. Poetry, eh. But Psalms, the meaning behind these Psalms are awesome, right? Psalms 139. If you guys have your Bibles and you want to follow along, you can. We do have it printed up there, and it's actually big enough so you guys can see it. I unfortunately can't. Can't uh, read it because I'm blind. But anyways, it says... For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know full well. Right? Now, it says also, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the, in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God has a plan for you. God knew that when he created you, when he made you. I don't know about you guys, but I haven't seen anything with God in it that's horrible. Except maybe the avocado. I think the pit should be smaller because I want more avocado. But, but you know what? That's my problem. But... But you guys get what I'm saying, right? You were fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, here's something. I want to give you guys a little hint that I, I discovered just a few years ago. Is I love to look up words. If I'm reading something in there and that word doesn't quite make sense to me, I look up the root word to find out what it means. To find out what it is. Now, when I see fearfully, was God afraid to make me? A God of no fear, a God of love, was he scared to make me the person I am? Am I going to be that bad that he was scared to make me? So I, I was like, why did they say fearfully? That's kind of an odd word. Fearfully and wonderfully made. So I looked it up a little bit. Because I want you guys to, to know this as well. I, I, want you, I want you guys to understand that you being fearfully and wonderfully made applies to every single one of you. It's not something for everybody else but you. You're included in that. It's like when I say good morning to the beautiful people of grace. If it's your first time here, you're still a beautiful person of grace, right? You're here. But fearfully and wonderfully made. God was not scared when he made you. This is another reason it's important to know the Hebrew or Greek meaning of the word used, okay? So if you guys have Blue Letter Bible app, it'll go through and tell you like what the root word is and what it means and, and stuff like that. Uh, and I love it because you find out some really cool things. You find out the English language is pretty basic, okay? It doesn't convey emotion like some other, some other languages do. Like, there are so many words for love out there that I wish we would use, you know? Instead, of, instead we love, you know? So me, I love meatloaf, and I love my wife. 
You know, there's two different degrees of love, right? I, I love, once again, food, and I love my kids. I actually love food more, but just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. But, but the root word is yare. So anybody here that speaks Hebrew, if I mispronounce that, I'm sorry, okay? Now, it could, could be translated literally to mean fear, which is kind of what they used, right? It could be literally meant to be fear, but in the original script, there is no and. There's no and in, in there, okay? So when they say fearfully and wonderfully made, that's not exactly what it means. It doesn't really mean fear as we know fear, okay? Uh, in this context, I would say it's more likely to mean extremely, great reverence, heartfelt, heartfelt interest, and with respect. And, and it wasn't, and like I said, and was not in the original text. Now, wonderfully could be unique or set apart. So me, you are extremely unique, not weird, okay? So you are extremely unique. God made you extremely unique. And we understand why we're so unique, okay? If all of us thought like Christian, like me, we would all drive 65 yellow bugs, right? We'd all be Star Wars fans, and we would all love the 49ers. Now, if you were another team other than the 49ers, that would really stink, right? And it would be boring. It would be boring. I mean, granted, I would love everybody to think the way I do, but it's boring if you don't have different people. Different people do different things. You have people that have the heart of hospitality. I'm a horrible host. I want to talk to everybody. I don't want to go get them food, go get them drinks, stuff like that. So have people with the gift of hospitality. They make you feel like you're welcome inside their home or, or welcome at, at that event or welcome when you come into church. People that meet you at the door, oh, man, you have no idea how important to the kingdom of heaven they are. I remember when I first came to Grace Chapel way back in the day, uh, I came in the door and this lady greeted me. And for the life of me, I was trying to remember where I knew her from. I knew that she had to have known me because of the way she greeted me. That was the first time she ever met me. So, so the gift of hospitality is huge. What about, what about the people that, that wave the banners during worship? That is a gift. That's absolutely awesome. I walk in and I see that and I'm like, wow. Now, if I grabbed that banner and tried waving around, I'd leave with two black eyes. Right? What about our worship team? Dude, Grace has been beyond blessed with the worship that we have here. The people that we have that get up on the stage week in and week out are absolutely, except for maybe the drummer. He's kind of weird. But, but, but you guys get what I'm saying. If everybody was like me, it would be such a boring, boring, boring planet. But you're uniquely made to fit where you're supposed to be. You have a part in this kingdom. Right? Oh, my God. Rejoice in that. You know? Be thankful God didn't make you like me. Okay? Because I know I'm, yeah. You don't want that for yourself. So just think that you're, you're the star in the greatest love story ever written. The greatest script ever written. Right? Like I said before, it has a beginning, the middle, the end. And, and what's really great about that is, I don't know about you guys, but I used to love to watch afternoon, after school specials. You know? And my, I lived with my grandparents when I was a little kid, and they didn't mind me watching these after-school specials because they were educational. So little did I know as a kid that I, I loved this thing, and it was teaching me something at the same time. Our script that we have 
is the same thing. I love to read the script and learn. It's educational. And what's really cool is the stories change as I change. As I mature, the stories kind of change the meaning to, to match with me. It's great. Read your Bible. You know, there's been times where I'll highlight something. I'll highlight a, uh, a scripture and be like, oh, yeah, I know exactly what this scripture means. This is what it means. This is the scripture. This is awesome. And years from, years from later, I'll look at my notes on that scripture and be like, oh, well, it's kind of about this now. You know? Have you guys ever? Am I the only one? Am I unique in that? No, I'm not unique in that. Good. Okay. So, so we have the greatest script ever, right? So those of you that have Bibles, we're going to learn from this script today. I know, I know it took me a long time to get there, but, but here we are, okay? We're in Luke 15, starting with verse 11, okay? And a lot of you know this story, this parable, you know? And if you notice, yes, it's the prodigal son. When, when we get to the script, it's all written in red. What does red mean? It's Jesus, right? You know, uh, I'll tell you what, every time I see those letters in red, I am like, okay, this is God. There is no, there is no arguing that this is, this is Jesus himself speaking. This is truth. This is, this is what I want to know. And why do you think he taught in parables? He taught in stories, you know? I know, that, I know that we have a tendency to like to tell stories about our experiences and stuff like that, but Jesus loved to teach in parables, Simply because the believers would understand exactly what these parables mean, right? It says this, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given, right? To the non-believers it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. So through parables, we we learn, right? We learn things, and Jesus taught us through this. So the parable of the lost son, it says, well, here, let me, uh, I want to give you a raspy voice. Sorry, it takes me a while. I'm bougie. My water has to have ice. Sorry, I'm a diva. But anyways, so I'm kind of like Paul back there. Anyways, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Could you imagine that? If my kids came up to me right now and said, Dad, I want a share of your estate, I'd give them a bill. <laughs> they don't want that, do they? Okay? You know, they got to wait until I'm actually retired and have some money. But right now, no, nah, no. Nah. You got you to gotta ride this thing through, right? So the youngest son says, hey, I want my share. And the father divided his property between them. Not, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Give me everything, dad, and waste it. Right? Didn't invest it, didn't do anything with it, but he wasted it. And on what? Wild living, right? He bought iPods and iPads. And... Anyways, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in, the, in the whole, that whole country. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. And as he's feeding these pigs, 
He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. But no one gave him anything. Could you imagine, you know, living with your, with your father, and things are good. Things are great. You grow up, everything's good. You don't have any needs. You know, you, all your needs are being met. And then you decide, well, hey, you know what? I want to live on my own, you know? I remember being 17, 18 years old, you know? I want to live on my own. I want my own place. I don't want to live under your rules anymore, right? So you go out and find out the reality of life is it's tough. It's tough out there. And he squandered all his money, and now he goes from having everything to having nothing. In fact, he's feeding, feeding pigs. Those pigs do not get the quality stuff, right? They don't get the best of the best. They get what other people don't want. And he's looking at that going, man, I would give anything to have that. You know, what a blow that, that had to be. So when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? Even the servants have food to spare, and I have nothing. He's all, and here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. I'm nothing. You know, Father, I'm so sorry for everything I did. I turned my back on you. I took everything that you had to give, and I wasted it. I threw it away, basically. So, you know what? I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just call me your servant. Treat me like you do your servants. That would be better than the way the world treats me. The world treats me like garbage. You know? So, he goes to his father's house. <clears throat> Sorry, I get emotional. I'm a dad. <clears throat> but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. So not only did he see his son and be like, oh, pff, there's that worthless son of mine. He's probably coming back to get more money, or he's probably doing this, or he's probably doing that. He sees his son, and he's like, oh, my God, there's my son. And not only does he walk to him, but he runs to him. If you guys ever see me run, it's a miracle, okay? I got gout, so I don't do much running. But, but this guy is running to his son. He instantly, oh my gosh, my son. So the son, the son remember, he, he rehearsed what he was going to say to his father. So, so the son says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And, and like every dad out here, yeah, you're right, right? No, that's not what he said at all. That's not what he did at all. What he did is, is amazing. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe. Not just bring a robe. Hey, see if you have something that's in my closet that's not too new, not too old, but just okay, right? He didn't say that at all. He said, bring the best robe, right? Put a ring on his finger. Now, why would that be important? Back then, most rings were like signet rings that showed what house you belonged to. So this is my son that was gone. Now he comes back with nothing. I want him to be in the best robe, and I want him to have a ring on his finger that lets everybody know he's my son. So it was no, it was no like, it wasn't just a simple gesture. It wasn't just a like, eh, 
uh, maybe my wife won't be mad at me if I'm nice to my son type thing. That's not it. That's not it at all. It's like I want my son to be recognized and have the best. So, so then he says, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. When I read that, I was like, oh, my gosh, did he walk all that way barefoot? Quite possibly, right? Quite possibly. He could have come with literally nothing, you know, maybe a loincloth, and that's it. So the father immediately wants him, wants the best robe, finger, sandals on his feet. And not only did he, he didn't stop there. He said, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. Oh, man. I think that's an amazing, amazing picture. Because what happens when any of you turn to the Father and, and accepts him into your heart and dedicates their life? There's a party like no other going on. Right? So, here we go. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called to, to one of the servants and asked him, what's going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because, of, because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother was so happy that he rushed to the house to go celebrate with his younger brother. No, that's not what happened, okay? I like to make up stories in my head. In my head, that's kind of what I wish would have happened, right? But for learning purposes, for us, that's not what he did, right? The older, older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. Should the father have gone out and pleaded with his son to be there? I don't know, man. I mean, I would have been like, well, you know, he's missing out. But, but the father knew how important it was to have the brother there with his younger brother. He knew what was important. He never lost focus on what was important in this parable, which I do all the time. You know, I focus on, I, I get so distracted, it's crazy. I'll be, okay, I'm focused, I'm on task. Oh, squirrel, you know? But he was focused. He was, he was there. He was on it, right? He pleads with him, and, and the older brother answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you, for you, not with you, but for you, and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Oh, poor me. Poor, poor me. This isn't about my brother being, a back, being back. This is about me. Right? The attention should be on me. This guy left you. He abandoned you. And if you notice, he says... But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. Notice what he said right there. When this son of yours, not my brother, but this son of yours, he forgot his place, didn't he? He forgot who he was at that point. He forgot what was important. So when he comes home, you kill a fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you're always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Oh, yeah, you can clap. I mean, that's... There's so much in that story for us. Now, show of hands, who can tell me who the villain in this story is? Every story has to have a villain, right? Otherwise, it's not really a story. You know, think about it. Green eggs and ham, 
there was a villain in that story, okay? Right? Okay, but anyways, but there's got to be a villain. Who can tell me who the villain is? Was it the, the son, the youngest son? The youngest son went to his father. Now, now, when you go to somebody back there and say, hey, I want my inheritance, right? Greedy, right? Now, by today's, today's day and age, if your son came to you and goes, hey, I want my inheritance now, that means I don't care if you're not dead yet. You're dead to me. Give me what I'm due, right? Now, then he takes, he takes his share. Does he stay and help out on the farm where he's needed? Does he, does he take that money and maybe buy more land to expand what, what his father had built? No, he leaves. He leaves and goes to a different country. He doesn't even want to be in the same country as his dad or his family. That's how much he cares about him, right? So he leaves. This guy has got to be the villain. He's got to be. He's done everything wrong, right? But, wait, let me... Page two. Oh, no, I'm still on page one. Oops. Dramatic flair for nothing. Okay. So, so you would think, you would think that he's, he's definitely the villain, you know? When he realizes he has nothing, hey, where am I going to go? I'm going to go back to my dad and be a burden on him again. I'm going to make him pay for everything for me, and, uh, you know, I'll, 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 I'll be a servant, you know? But he probably knows his dad, right? So, so it's easy to cast this guy in the villain. As the villain. But it isn't the reality of, thing, of, of, of it, right? Because he did do all those things. He did everything that I said. But when he, when he realized what he had or what he didn't have, he had hope. He knew he had his father. He had hope. Not only did he have hope, he, he had wisdom just to realize what he was doing was wrong. He had the wisdom to say, oh, my gosh. What I'm doing is wrong. I can't continue to do what I'm doing because I'm failing. I'm failing at life. He was wise. He was wise to say, hey, you know what? I, I need to go back. So he went back to his father's house. That shows courage. Courage to say, hey, I've wronged this man. I've done everything I know I shouldn't do. I've broken all the laws of my people to leave and to abandon this, this man that I know is going to take care of me. So that takes courage. So, so what I'm saying is he had hope, he had wisdom, he had courage. Those are all characteristics of what? A hero. Right? Now then, the father. Was the father the villain? Was he an enabler? You know, did he, did he maybe know his son was going to take all that money and leave? And, and No, he wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't. You know, long, long story short, the dad was not a villain. Not at all, right? So then it's got to be the older son, right? It's got to be the older son. He was mad. He disowned his brother. He, he disobeyed his father when his father said, come inside. Pleaded with him for, to come inside. And he confronted his dad with the way he felt. No, nah, he wasn't a villain. He was human. He was human. This story has no villains in it. You know, this is God. This is not a man-written story. This is God. God doesn't see any of us as villains. So why see yourself as a villain? Why waste your time? So if we could get, ooh, if we could get our ministry team up here real quick. 
I, I've said, I've, do we have a ministry team? Okay. <laughs> sorry, sorry. So I, I've said it a couple times. Uh, I, I don't know about you guys, but in this prodigal son story, I can relate with every single character in there. There's been times where I was that son. Like, you guys, like I was talking about it this morning. My name is Christian, okay? I grew up not liking Christians. Because every time a Christian would find out that my name was Christian, they would always tell me, oh, you need to be in church. Your mom was prophetic, the this and that. My mom was in prison. I wasn't living with my mom at the time. And I would be bitter when people would tell me what I needed to do. Much less, my mom named me after Hans Christian Andersen. I was almost Hans. My dad said, no way, I'm going to have a kid named Hans. So I was given the name Christian. Okay? Yes, yes, Hans. Okay? My dad said no, and my dad confirmed that when I met him. You know? When I was 35 years old, he told me, you know, you're almost going to be a Hans. But, but I, yeah, I, I didn't like Christians. And Christians would invite me to church. Christians were the, were the only people that were nice to me. Because in school, you know, I grew up with my grandparents because my mom was in prison. And I didn't know my dad. So immediately, that made me easy, easy pickings, right? So instead of taking it out on the people that were doing the picking on, I took it out on the Christians because they kept coming at me. So I was that youngest son. You know, God, the Father, was trying to provide for me, trying to give me what I needed, trying to place me in situations that I needed to be in and with the people I needed to be with. But I turned my back on him, right? I decided to walk away. But eventually, like the youngest son, hey, you know what? My, my stepson's getting in trouble at school. I don't like the friends he's hanging out with. Maybe he needs to go to church. Maybe I need to go to church, right? So, so I had that moment, that moment of hope. I had the wisdom to follow through and go with it. And then I had the courage to stand up and accept God in my heart. Can relate to that. What about the older brother? The older brother, have you, seen, have you seen these guys come in and they're absolute sinners and everybody's paying attention to them and they're getting all the glory and you're like, hey, what about me? You know, I'm back here setting up chairs in the back every single week and I don't get to hear any praise from you guys. I don't get to hear anything from you. You know what? I'm doing this because I'm a better guy than that guy is. Does that make me better? It makes me worse. But I've been in that position. I get jealous. We all get jealous, you know? I see, I see a, a Rolls Royce driving down the street, and I'm like, oh, I want that. I'm so jealous of the guy driving that, even if he doesn't own it. Like, wow, right? And then there are brief moments in my life where, where I got to be like the father. See an issue, recognize the issue, and pray for someone, you know? Be there for them. Give them the, the shirt off my back if I have to. So I think that I'm not, I'm not unique in this. I think that every single one of you in here today, every single one of you can relate to this story somehow. If you're that youngest son, these people up here right now are here for you. Get prayer. You know, get rid of that today. Don't carry that weight with you. That weight is going to drag you down and it's going it's to bury you. Literally, for some people, it could bury you. Come up front, get that prayer. Have the courage to come up front. If you're the older brother, you know, get rid of that. Get rid of that. There's no need for any of that. You shouldn't be jealous. 
You know, you should be happy. You should be happy that now your brother or sister is back where they need to be. If you feel that, these are the people that will pray for you right now. Right now. If you're like the father and you're in a good spot and you're doing good, you should be up front here praying for people. We all have a part to play. Right? We all have a part. And we need, we need to be able to have the courage and wisdom to realize what the part is. What part are you in right now? Where are you? We want to meet you where you're at. God wants to meet you where you're at. And he wants to help usher you into the next part you're going to play. Let today be that day. Amen? All right. Well, let's pray. God, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you for everything that you do for us, which in every case is everything, God. You do everything for us. Uh, God, I just thank you for the brothers and sisters that are here today. And God, thank you so much for allowing me to come up here and, and share your word. I hope I didn't screw it up. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message. This weekly podcast is available on our website, gracevcf.org, where you can learn more about Grace Vineyard and our vision for people everywhere to know and worship God.